I'm feeling real good today. I don't know if it's because I did celebrate a birthday, or I just, I'm enjoying the presence of the Lord and what he's doing. He's making a liar out of the enemy. And I don't want to go here, but I, as I look at my timer. Before I get started, I got to remind us. I think in church we've painted this picture wrong way too long. Jesus died on our cross for your sins, not for his. He didn't sin. He died on our cross because we are knuckleheads. That's the only reason why he did it. And I know like we got so many different religions and so much beliefs and so much stuff out here that try to get us just it's a free gift of grace so none of us can boast. Let me make it KLT version, Calvin Living Translation. So none of us can take credit for something we didn't do. So none of us can try to act like we the man. It's a free gift of grace so no man can boast. And he did it while we were yet sinners. Just listen to what that scripture says. While we were yet sinners, Christ what? Died. So if he can, make, if he can create a way for you to come back to him, while you were yet sinners before you was even born, because he knew you were going to be born into sin, shaped into iniquity, do not think right now, no matter what you in, he can't pull you out of, or that he don't want you or he don't love you. So what would you struggling with? I am the pastor, and I struggle with sin every day. Let me admit it, because maybe if I put my hand up first, maybe I struggle with sin every day. I used to be the hoe of all hoes. And to this day, though very much delivered, I have to tell myself, nope, no thought, psych, nope, put the block up, nope. Like, to this day, you just because you get saved and God loves you and you preach and teach and post God and share about God on everything and won't he do it, did not mean that all of a sudden we became perfect. It is a daily war between your, between your flesh and your spirit. And since people want to look at me and say, well, you just Calvin, Listen, we all love Paul so much. Paul said in Romans chapter 7 that I'm in, I'm, he says, I'm under the bondage of sin. He said, the things I don't want to do, I'm doing. The things I know I need to be doing, I don't do. Hey, hold on. He says, what the heck? I realize there's something else working in me. It's another something warring inside of me. All of us are in, in, under the bondage of sin. We're going to sin every day. I remember this used to be a thing. I ain't ready to come to church yet. I ain't got myself together. And you never will. <laughs> you won't. You would never. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to deal with the sin in your life. You need to by Holy Spirit, help me. And he says he's going to always make a way of escape. So right when you want to do it, you're going to see that escape route. Like, oh, man, I just dodged that one. Woo. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. It says, Galatians chapter 5, so let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let the Holy Spirit help you. It's, that's the only way we defeat sin. That's the only way to defeat the flesh, the things we want to do. Let's take the word sin out. Your flesh, what you see and desire and want. You, your flesh. That's the only way you're going to get rid of it is with the help of the Holy Spirit. So what the enemy wants to do is keep you from the Holy Spirit, keep you from Christ, keep you out there, never coming in here, keep you away from the passion, never praying. Because if he can keep you away from the help, is going to break the bondage. If he can keep you from believing the thing that's going to take the bondage and the payment away and then keep you from the one, the helper, the one, the Ezra, that's going to come alongside you and help you. 
will never be free. It's in here. It's at the altar. And when I say in here, I'm not talking about this words way. It is a. It's some churches out there. That, that, there's some, some bangers. It don't have to just be here. But I'm trying to free us, man. We live in in way too much weight on and bondage of sin that is paid for. I would be looking so stupid if one of y'all said, "Pastor, it's your birthday. We sent here's a. We gave you a $200 gift card to to go to Eddie V's and eat steak." And I went there. Ordered me a $70, $80 tomahawk, potatoes, everything, and ate it. Then looked at the bill and started crying. The bill was $199. And started crying. <sighs> I'm going to pay it. When literally y'all prepaid $200, more than enough. I would look like a fool. Sitting there complaining, I'm going to pay for it. Why did I, the steak wasn't even worth it. When it's already paid for. Now the waiter then got his stuff and dipped. He didn't pay, he got paid. And we just sitting there like, oh. And that's how we do in our life. The cross is literally already paid for. And we said, like, oh, I'm just going to never be nothing. God ain't going to just never. I just ain't going to never get better at things. He said, hey, I already paid for that. Why are you complaining about something to build? What do you get up out of that grave? It's done. He said on the cross, Tetelestai. It is finished. Y'all remember, y'all remember more to come back. Get over here. Like, y'all remember, it was over. And he'd be standing there, like, the fatality. Like, y'all, it was over. He put it to bed. I think if we understood it, we can stop walking so defeated all the time. It's not you that God is looking at. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's the blood of Christ that he's looking at. I need us to understand this cross thing, bro. Like, if we get it, and, and this is, I like to use this analogy. It's like if Jesus is this iPad, and y'all are all sinners, and I'm God, and I'm looking down on y'all like, all oh, y'all going to hell. That's how I was. But then Jesus came in the picture, and he took on and blocked. And now when God looks at us, he only sees the blood of his son. So now when you come to heaven, and you come to heaven, he's going to say, all I see is Christ on you. Okay, come on in. Because you're covered by... Now, this is what happens if somebody don't believe in Christ. You have to stand before a holy God and you're dirty. And the Bible says, for the ways of sin is... But I hate when they leave it there. Because I hear this argument all the time when people want to argue, sin throw you in hell. The ways of sin is death, baby. Don't, don't, don't stop reading. What's the other part? But the gift of God is what? It's a gift. It was free. When somebody gives you some a gift, that's free. If you got to pay for a gift, it's not free. The ways of sin is death, but let me add a conjunction in there for you. The gift of God is eternal life. So yes, sin put you in hell until Christ came in and covered you, until you put your faith in him. Now the only thing that can put you in hell is the fact that if you don't believe, because he's covering the sin, he's made a way to make you right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. Romans 6 says, because if it was all about keeping the law, we can brag. I kept 10 commandments, you kept 9. I'm better than you. And he'll be sitting there like, really? 9 and 10 ain't no different. Me, dirty is dirty. If you got an all-white fit on, white shoes, white staffer, you know, we used to wear staffers. They wear staffers anymore, polos, what they do now. White, all-white, white pants, you dipped. And I came up to you, dipped my finger in some oil, and just poked your right there. I just messed the whole fit up. 
the whole fit is messed up. You're going to go change your whole outfit. It don't matter if it's a little bitty point or I put two hands. Sin is sin. It only take one. If I'm hanging from the ceiling by a 10-link change, how, what, which link got to break for me to fall? Any of them. He says, if you committed one sin, you might as well commit all of them because dirt is dirt to me. I want to get us out this position where we feel like we're burdened by something that Jesus paid for. And when we fall in love with the fact that you want me anyway, you know who I am, right? And you want me anyway. You're going to let your, your blood pay for my sin. You know, how, you know how hard I went last night, right? You love me like that? Hold up, I ain't been loved like that before. That's agape. Unconditional. And what happens when somebody loves it like that? We automatically kind of want to love them back. Like, dang, you do that for me, I got to show love to you. Like, but I mean, I can at least go to church. Like, and then it starts. When you understand his love for you, you start to realize, man, I owe down. Let me give a little something back. And then that little something turns into a little something more. And then, then this love affair grows. This relationship with you and Jesus grows. Not religion. I'm going to teach you all today what religion we should be practicing. It's a relationship. And all of a sudden, you, like, you in your car just talking to him. Like, good morning, bro. Thanks for last night, bro. Hey, that police didn't give me that ticket. You know I had a little extra to drink. I would have went straight to jail. Thank you. You start having these, com- these random conversations with him. Like, and, it, and this relationship grows. And that's why I'm trying to get us to. Past the religious jargon. That's why we pay Kanye West before service. To get us past this. They can't play that. Why can't you? It's Christian. Like, to break religion. To get us to relationship. We play religion way too long at this point. And that's why the power of the spirit of the living God is not in our churches and our houses anymore. Because we play games too long. We went, we, our churches are businessy. They're businessy. And we have them for, and we're going to start more and more and more like, like a McDonald's franchise. And they're businessy. Let me get off that. And the spirit of the living God ain't even welcomed. Let me get into this lesson. God just celebrated a birthday. I'm 37. Now, for some of y'all, like, he's 37. He's too young to be my pastor. No, I'm not. It's a, I'm spiritually grown. Paul told Timmy, don't let nobody despise your youth. And it's funny. I start to study that. He wasn't just talking about physical age. He was talking about spiritual age, how long you've been doing it. Don't let nobody despise your youth. So I start to realize, I used to say, I really, I start pastoring. I would be around people who've been in this 20, 20, 30 years. I would just automatically just say, I don't know nothing. You know everything. And then down to me, like, how much they didn't know. <laughs> we started talking, and I'm like, dang. And then down to me, like, don't let nobody, what God, when God give, God can, one of y'all can be saved today. And God can use you more tomorrow than he used people who've been sitting in the pulpit for 40 years. Trust me and believe. He don't need you to be able to play games. All he needs you to be able to do is tell somebody that he died on the cross for your sin, my sin, I'm dirty, you dirty, baby, and he can kill us both. And that's all he needs you to be able to do. He said, go and proclaim the gospel, spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. Our main job is going to tell somebody how great he is. So any of us and all of us, I want to prepare us to be able to do this. And that don't mean you're going to do it like I do. You may not be a big poster, but you're going to, God will always give you an opportunity. You'll be in Walmart getting your kids their favorite peanut butter Captain Crunch. And it'd be a lady walk up like that. I love that band. Is that, it says Jesus is Lord, living life, words. I just love that. And you're like, well, what church you go to? Well, I'm not really a church goer. And God will give you an opportunity to stand at Walmart and win a soul. And you won't be like pastor. You won't be like Mr. King. You won't be like pastor and a minister or any of the pastors, but you will save a soul. And you would have done more than more churches would, be, would do today in Walmart. Buy some Captain Crunch. 
Like God just wants us out here in our lives just living it and rejoicing, and he will send people to us. It will be assignments that come in your life. So, y'all, don't, I want y'all, we're growing in here. I want us all to be, like, bold about the fact that I know who I am in Christ. I know what I am. I ain't got to be scared of nothing. But, y'all, we've been in this series, two-week mini-series, Play Your Position. And I stuffed three to four weeks in two. So I got so much stuff on here, I'm about to skip half of it, but y'all just bear with me because I'm about to do a lot of ranting, but I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. Because y'all not going to make me go viral and mean me like what I said was in the Bible. So I'm going to give y'all so much scripture, y'all going to have to deal with the text. And see, week one, we're going to do a small quick week. Week one was more than an athlete. And what we talked about was as men, God's biblical design for the man. And coaches just say, if you athletic, if you tall, you got a beard, you got a few muscles, and you make a little bit of money, you are the man. That's not what the Bible says. Like, it, it, what kind of husband are you? What kind of father are you? What kind of man are you to God? He, he literally put, when you looked at it, he put Adam in a garden for him. He put the woman with Adam for him. He put Adam for him. It's supposed to be a, a structure here as we worship God and honor God. Our woman and our wives are supposed to come behind us. And it's supposed to be a thing. It was a biblical design. And what God was showing me, a lot of us just don't know it. We, we haven't been taught it. Facebook and TikTok taught us all about family. What was the one that, what was before TikTok? What was it? Do it for the vine? You ain't going to do it. What was it? Like all these social media has taught us how to be families. And we looked at what some superstar said and said, oh, I want my family like him. And we, instead of getting biblical and watching what the promises of God and lining our lives up with the covenants of God, we've missed it. So I'm trying to get us realigned, our families realigned, because we talked about last week. Stone marriages make stone families. Stone families make stone communities. Communities, stone churches. Churches, states, states, countries. We're trying to go, we're trying to start with the male and the female, the family, the marriage. It's going to bleed to the family. It's going to bleed to the church. And it's going to make, it's going to keep bleeding down to create a change. So we have to start there first. And I thought, right, let's end 2022 redefining marriage, redefining manhood, redefining womanhood. So in 2023, when you declare what you're doing for 2023, it's lines up and God actually moves in it with you. Instead of, oh, y'all, this year, I'm changing, girl. I'm putting people out of my life. I'm, I'm deleting people. Delete year 2023 deletion. Like, we be coming with all this New Year stuff. No, line it up biblically next year. And I guarantee you, if you line 2023 up next year, it will be the best and best different year of your life. So that's what I'm trying to get us ready for. But today, I really want to get into ver- to today. Today it is, you are not a housewife. You're a helper. And y'all, this is what I'm kind of passionate about because culture, I'm, we got to stop letting culture define what a woman is. I am so tired, and it's starting to drive me insane. We have to stop letting culture define what a woman is. WAP, BBLs, boob jobs, show your curves, be brutal, be, 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 stand on your own, be, be, be like a man or better. They, and we, we apply popping off. Videos go viral of girls popping out because she girl, you see so strong and just strong and black and strong. Just she's so strong, girl, get it. Don't let nobody run over you. And we apply that. We say, look at her. She says, I want to be like her and I grow up. Follow, subscribe, anything you say. What's the beehive, shark tank, all these groups these people got. Like, why are we letting culture define what our woman and our male is? And I decided we're gonna, we got to get biblical. And I, I want to stay close to my nose today because it's so much. But I, wanna, I want us to understand we are so, you are more than a baby carrying cook maid. 
I know that's what culture try to put you in a box is. And unfortunately, I'm sorry, as church, we try to put you in a box. Well, go clean. Go cook. We'll do the preaching. We'll do the leading. Y'all can go sit in your, go, go, go sit behind me in the car and wait till I come out. But baby, you are more than that. Let me just go here. You are more than what's between your legs, too. Culture has tried to minimize and demean y'all down to sex, to just a sex image. I'm not making this up. Have y'all seen uh, uh, She-Hulk? Anybody seen She-Hulk? Anybody watched that series yet? Anybody seen, um, uh, what's the new one with this girl? Reasonable Doubt? Y'all don't watch TV now. Y'all see Reasonable, Reasonable Doubt? What about, um, 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 uh, what's the one with Gabriel Union? She had like 10 seasons of it. Being Mary Jane, what is? I've seen all these shows. What is it? Uh, all the Tyler Perry stuff. Just, just pick one. Queen Sugar. Like I keep, I watch these movies and I watch how they take the woman. They just sleep around with everybody. It was literally She Hulk. This is literally a kids movie, and She Hulk slept with about four people in the first three episodes. And I'm like, dang, like. We want our little, why are they doing it? They want our little girls just looking at this. And it's funny, her friend, like, you should try girls. Just switch it up. Just try it. And I'm like, why are they? And, and, and it was Megan Thee Stallion on there just popping their turkey with the She-Hulk. And I'm like, what are we doing now? Is that we're going to minimize ourselves to tight skirts, boobs, BBLs, and all that stuff. And we're going to let culture define that if you don't have that. And nowadays, if you're a woman that say, I'm absent, I wait for marriage, they look at you like you're crazy. Like, girl, it's been two years. You, you better go get some. Like, you better go get you a sneak link. Sneaky, sneaky link. Go get you a sneaky link. Girl, you tripping. When you leave a holy, they look at you like you're crazy. Because now it's normalized to be a hoe. It's normal. And we call it you taking control of your body and you're owning yourself. And to, let me get back in my notes. Let me stay here. But we got to stop that. And it's slipped into the church. Like the same mentality has slipped into the house of God where we're supposed to be defined by biblical truths and biblical structure, but we just kind of do anything because culture do it, and that's what culture wants, and we don't want to miss out on anything. Thank you. We don't want to miss out on anything, so we're going to do what culture do so we don't lose no members and we don't lose no money and people tie, and we can just stay in our little bit, not businessy, yeah, our little businesses and our offices. But I decided we're not going to do that here. So I'm going to have to make y'all a little mad today. I'm going to have to make y'all a little happy. I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of both because I know I may get on y'all nerves today. But I promise you, if you embrace the word of God for your life, it will change you. I'm seeing a couple of extremes here. The first extremes I'm seeing, be like a man or be better. Pop off. Be rude. MMA fight. Be masculine. Be brutal. Like, it's funny. I was talking to Pastor. He said it's funny that the standard that women have now is really not even the standard for men. I'm like, wow. He said, don't care about your virtue. Just do whatever. Then I'm seeing another screen. The second screen, be under a man's rule or stone. Sit at home. Take care of the kids. Put them in the bed. You take them to school. I ain't taking them to school. I'm the man. I don't take kids to school. I don't put kids in the bed. That's a woman's job. Cook dinner. We try to limit you to just being a housemate. I'm saying two extremes. Either just screw a man, be from under the headship, be you, me too, or be some little at-home puppet for him, some little subordinate puppet for him. I'm saying two extremes. And it's funny, this was about my head. I've been saying a third extreme, the church extreme. I'm a Proverbs woman, Proverbs 31 woman. I'm a Titus 2 woman. And I'll be looking sometimes like, you more like um, Delilah mixed with Jezebel with a little bit of Joel wife sprinkled on top. 
Baby, you are not Proverbs. I don't know what part of Proverbs you're reading. And that's the, I just realized that's another extreme, the church extreme, where we think we're something that we're not. We do all that talking, then get in the car and cuss every girl out. Every girl's shoes was ugly. Every girl is fat. You see, she gained away. We run our mouths, but I'm a tightest. I'm a, I'm a Proverbs 31. Thank you, Jesus. You see the girl I lay hands on that? She fell. My job is done. No, go be ratchet. And I'm like, we need to stop these extremes. Just be a housewife or just be a, subor- be a slave to your husband. We're going to look at it today. I got two questions for y'all. First, I'm going to ask my, man, my question to men because I forgot I missed y'all last week, but I didn't forget y'all. Y'all getting this question. Have you been a man that God is pleased with because you entirely submit to him? Have you taught your children the ways of God? And does your wife want to submit to you due to your display of love for her? I, I, sometimes we want our wives to submit and I realize, give her something to submit to. We ha- she don't submit to do. Baby, give her something to submit to, homie. Like, you don't do nothing. You sit at home. You don't even give her nothing. Our wives should want to submit. Like, bro, you know how he take care of me? Whatever you want. They should want to submit to us. Give her something to submit to. It's funny because we try to win people to Christ because he gives us something to love about him. I died on the cross for you while you was yet a sinner. For free, you owe me nothing. But, but to now accept me, love me, and live holy. So now what it is is like he gave us something to love. He gave us something that we want to submit to. And if man is supposed to be like Christ, as the church is the Christ, the bride of Christ, and the woman is the bride of a man, and he says, man, you're supposed to be like me like I am to my bride. Give her something to submit to. Give her something to be, give her something to sit in the beauty shop bragging about, about what her husband did, how he loved her. Give her something to feel good about. But woman, I got a question for you. It's my day to come for y'all. Have you been a woman that God is pleased with because you entirely submit to your husband? You have been a gentle, slow-to-speak woman that has assisted your husband in teaching your children the ways of God, and your husband is free to love you without having dealing with your pettiness. Because sometimes it's not the man. And I'd be on their head like 97% of the time. Oh, but them 3% of y'all are horrible. Boy, y'all the most pettiest. And he be trying to be loving and be trying to be gentle. And y'all just petty and y'all rude and y'all run y'all mouth and y'all nag and act a pure fool with him. And drain him out. And what you don't understand is the, the, the enemy is not attacking you. He wants him. But he's getting you to get to him. So you're the highway to the husband when you're supposed to be the helper. He can come get to your husband any day through your silly mouth. Because he know if he come home tired and if he walk past and if he don't, and you and your and you got an attitude that day, you in your feelings. He like, I just want a nap. And he's like, you're going to run your mouth. He said, I, he, 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 he saying, he saying, boo, be slow to speak. Be gentle with your words. And see, now I got to give you some scripture because I think I'm making this stuff up. I'm just going right into point one because I'm on all time. What is the role of wives and the women? What is the role of wives and the women? And honestly, I got to, let me start here. I got to apologize. I'm sorry us as men has been too weak to lead. And I thought as I studied this, I need to be sensitive a little bit here because now y'all have to deal with so much. Because it's been a lack of manhood in your life. See, daddy was supposed to stay your covering until husband came. And sometimes when you turn 18, daddy decided he don't want to cover no more. Sometimes when you're 13, daddy decided he don't want to cover no more. Sometimes daddy ain't covered when you was three. And you went through your whole life with no covering. 
So now you don't know how to be a wife. Now you don't know how to act right because your whole life you had no covering. When you get married, what happened? Your daddy walked you down and they say, who is giving this woman away? He was supposed to be your protection and your covering up until Joe Blow came and took you off daddy's hands. But no, what we have now, it is no covering. And the women are running around broken and hurt and have all this traumatic stuff in their life and molested when daddy should have been protecting them and all this stuff that I got to deal with now, and I'm sorry. I looked at my daughter that was at McDonald's and she looked at me and said, Daddy, I love you. You ain't going to never leave me, right? I said, never. And it dawned on me how many girls, and see, y'all, a lot of y'all don't care if you're 50, you still got the little girl inside. That daddy never looked at you and said, I'm now never going to leave you. And whatever you need, baby, I don't care what little Johnny did to you, daddy going to be right here. Actually, I may put, my, put hands on Johnny if he don't do right. And y'all never had that protection. Y'all never had that love that, that would have made y'all feel like, I don't care what you do to me. My daddy go, my daddy had to buy me my shoes. I don't need you. And what y'all did is try to put that in some little boy when you were 17. And you started off broken and hurt. And now you're trying to be as a woman, pull it back together. And the Holy Spirit is trying to knit you back together because of the covering that he gave you didn't do it. And now I got to say I'm sorry to the wives. Because too often y'all got married and your covering has been out of line. He picked everything else but you. His friends, the video games. He left you for any about reason that can get him to leave the house. And you sit at home most time as a wife having to do stuff you didn't have to do. You shouldn't have been doing. Maybe in the Old Testament, the men raised the kids. The wife assisted. Now the men barely do anything with the kids. And the, and the, and the, and the, man, the wife do everything. The man barely do anything. Because the enemy we don't even see, he's reversed it. He's got the man to step out of position and threw the woman in. And we know he did the same thing in the garden. Man, let me get you out of line. Let me throw the woman in leadership. And we see the fall of man. And he's still working the same thing today. And I thought before I get it, I just need to say sorry. If your husband has caged you in to be nothing but a housemaid or a housewife, I'm sorry. Listen, your job is to help be a homemaker. It is to help take care of the kids. But it is not limited to that. Y'all know it's a girl in the Bible named Deborah. And because there was no man to stand up, God said, I'll use you. It is plenty of women in the Bible who God chose to lead, chose to win souls, chose to witness. You are more than just a housemaid to a, than a baby carrier. And man, let me just say, I got let me go here. If you limit your wife to just a housemaid, you're a weak man. And you may be scared of her outshining you. See, this is why men have to put their wives in boxes. Because she may be smarter. She know how to do better with the money, but you can't show your weakness because you're insecure. So now you got to put her in a box so she don't outside you. And you're a weak man if you limit your wife to be nothing but a cook and a cleaner. Now, every time she says something, she can't get no opinion in nothing. She can't get no voice in the next car. Where y'all live, she can't do nothing. She can't go nowhere. She don't have nothing. It's just all depicting and depending on you. What a weak man. You're weak. Because you won't let, you won't trust your wife. You won't let her out to give her, cultivate her, and let her grow and blossom because she may outshine you. And you're a weakling. And it's, it, our job is to give her an area to cultivate and let her grow and become the best her. And what we do is abuse them. And because we weak, we have to use abuse. Mental and physical and sexual abuse. Because we don't want to come in and warm her up. We want to choke her out and take it. Because we don't want to humble ourselves and love them. We got to be abusive. 
Because we don't want to be nice and say, babe, you mind doing this? Blah, 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 blah. Hey, I got you. We don't want to be kind. We want to scream and cuss them out to get what we want. You're weak. And you're a coward. Yeah, I just said to the camera too, you're a coward. Because you can't love your wife enough and your insecurities get you to treat her like trash. And she's more than that. She's an helper. And the Hebrew root for helper is Ezer, E-Z-E-R. It's used 21 times in Genesis. And three of the times, two of the times, it refers to women, to a, woman, a wife to her husband. 16 of the 23 times, it relates to how Israel was, that God was Israel's helper. And 21, uh, 16 of the times, is related to God. Now, we know dang well God is not a subordinate or inferior to us. And he uses the same Hebrew word to describe what a wife is to her husband. There's no way we can come up with the fact that she's supposed to be a subordinate inferior to us. See, we took that word and we manipulated it. We took the verse, submit to your husband and all things, and we manipulated it. So we can put her under our foot and under our thumbs. And you will be a fool. See, I had an analogy Amazon. You owe me another $15. You didn't send my package again. That's two weeks in a row. After, I want 30 this time. I had an example I was going to show y'all. And it was like, y'all know when y'all go to the, the um, nice little dinners and stuff, you got you can put your little cup and get on a little fountain. So I ordered this big old fountain, and I'm going to fill it up with some type of juice. I'm going to sit up here and drink something, too, because I know I'm going to be thirsty. I'm not going to be dry, but I don't have it here. So I'm just imagine it's here. And on a tower, it's a three-tier tower. And at the top, the juice come out and overflow. And see, at the top, there's God. He says, I'm provision. And then it flows to the second level, and that's the man, right? But then it flows drink. And it down to me. And it says, he didn't make Eve in the garden first and say it's not good for you to be alone. He made Adam first. And he looked at him like, it's not good for you to be alone. Let me make you a helper. And what the real definition of Ezra is, is an assistant. Somebody to come alongside you in your time of need. And trust me, y'all, we're going to need them. We're, listen, we cry more than women most time. Let's be real. Testify, cry, baby. <laughs> and sometimes because we, we pin it up. But we sometimes we just want to go and hug her and cry. And we, what we don't understand is she's designed for it. If we would do it in love, she's designed to come alongside of us in our weakness and help us like God is. He put us here, and when we get weak, he comes along. He's an Ezra. He comes alongside of us and helps us in our weakness. And that's what the wife was designed to do. He said, man, it's not good for you to be alone. You, it's, you, you are not okay by yourself. Let me make you somebody to help you with what's going to come in your life. And that's what God is trying to do. Give me that, give me that picture. I'm going to show y'all some, I want to show y'all some situations. Pick one. The man is the foundation. And the woman is the house. Now, if Christ is the foundation for the church, and God says man and Christ, the man and Christ are the same one when it comes to marriage, we're the foundation, man. Now, look, the wife can't do it without the man, and the man can't do it without the wife. Anybody want to live there? It's nice. It looks real strong. It's going to be a fat house. But I don't want that. Ain't nobody on Facebook like, look at my foundation. Ah, it's so nice. They ain't sitting there with their kids like, new foundation, moving our beds in. So I want to show y'all what it looks like when a man is without the wife and a wife without a man. That's a man without a wife. It's not good for you to be alone. Now, give me my pick, too. Now, this is a wife without a husband. <laughs> now, she may be in her living room kicking it, but, boy, she better not fill up the bathtub. Now, water sway. 
And so there is no foundation. And what ends up happening, pick three, what ends up happening is that, no, let me, oh yeah, that's another thing. So this is all women who think, I've got foundation. I don't need a man. Baby, you on, you, you on tires. You think you good? Let the wind blow. Let's, let me go over and lean on it. But this is what it looks like with a woman without a man. We see what a man looks like with a woman, and this is what ends up always happening. We build a house, but it's unsafe. Women, you build a house, you do all this, but it's unsafe for you to be alone, just like his man is incomplete without you. Without, a man without a woman is incomplete. A woman without her man is not safe. It's unsafe. Your headship is out of place. That's why our daughters, that's why it's teen pregnancy, uh, 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 teen abortion, that's why molestation, all the rates are significantly higher in single-parent mother homes. When you look at single-parent father home, it drastically goes back, uh, decreases. Because the headship, the man, is in place to take care. And he's supposed to be there. Let me get, let me show you some scriptures. Let me get some Ephesians 5. Now watch this while I was like, I got to show you what the Bible says you're supposed to be. I got to show you what the Bible says you're supposed to be. I like this message version too. Ephesians 5, chapter 21. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Now I love the NLT, it says submit to one another. It says out of reverence and respect for Christ, that's why I do it. I told my wife years ago, I said, bro, I don't cheat on you because I love you so much. I tried that. didn't work. I don't cheat on you because I don't want to problems with him. It's out of reverence to Christ. And he said, I'm supposed to keep you here and take care of you and cultivate you. Now, my job out of reverence and respect to Christ is make sure I honor you. It's the same way with a husband. I don't like you today. I don't want to even give you none today. But out of reverence to Christ... I have to honor and respect my husband. So, baby, what you need? Sometimes we don't want to. And sometimes we say, I love you. And when the love gone, we break up. Baby, the whole marriage wasn't dependent on love. It was out of respect and reverence to the Lord. Watch this. Verse 22. Wives, this is for, if you're a wife, here it go. If you're about to be a wife or want to be a wife, learn it now. So y'all ain't got to sit in my office complaining about it, which I didn't do wrong. Wives, understand and support your husband in ways that, you, that, in ways that show your support for Christ. And... Honor and respect your husband in ways that show that you honor and support Christ. You do it because Christ told you to. Now, I love it. The NLT says, for wives, just me submit to your husband as unto the Lord. Let me break this down. If your husband say, you supposed to submit to me, let's go to the strip club, baby. That's not as unto the Lord. It says, submit to your husband's as unto the Lord. As he follows the Lord, you follow him. And he follows the Lord, you follow him. When he make a curve, you don't have to go with him. And talking about, I'm the man. Come on. No. As unto the Lord, boo-boo, you over here. I'm still going to church. You ain't got to go, but I'll pray for you when I get there. As, a, as unto the Lord. So we took this thing and we messed it up. No, no. As he follows Christ, you follow him. And baby, in the minute he got a line, you curve, you curved the other way. Don't be disrespectful. I didn't say act a fool. Say, baby, I can't. I love you, baby. But I got to show you ways I love you as, as to the Lord. And you leave me some way that's in sin. And I love you, boo, but I can't go with you there. I'll be home. I'll wait for you. I'm going to pray at home. But I can't follow you there. Watch this. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. I've been talking about this all morning. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. Not by dominating her. It's by cherishing her. Watch this. So he says the way you provide leadership is through cherishing nourishment, not through you dominating and dictating everything. 
Watch this. So just as Christ, just as the church submits to Christ, as, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to her husbands. As he exercises such leadership. Watch this. Let's keep going through the scripture. Let's learn a lesson from Zipporah. Zipporah is Moses' wife. Now, I want to learn some lessons for some of these women in the Bible. Zipporah was Moses' wife, and I love the story. It always reminds me how powerful you women is. Watch this. Exodus chapter 4, verse 24. I'm going to amplify Exodus 4, 24, I'm going to amplify. If y'all want to follow me, go to your Bible hat, hit events, all the notes are in there. Now it happened at the lodging place that the Lord met Moses and sought to kill him. Y'all ain't read this before, huh? He was going to wipe Moses out. He sought to kill, where he at? Now watch this. Making him deathly ill because he had not circumcised one of his sons. Verse 25, then Zippor took a flint knife and cut off the foreskin of her son and threw it at Moses' feet and said, indeed, you are, my hus- you are a husband of blood to me. Look what I had to do for you because you wouldn't do it. So he, so he let Moses alone to recover at the time Zippor said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Let me break it down to you really quick. God said, uh, Moses, circumcise your kids. Everybody, circumcision was a form to show that they were God's chosen people. He said, do it. Moses said, uh-uh. I ain't doing that one no more. That was nasty. I ain't cutting another son. And God said, okay, I'm about to kill him. You ain't going to disrespect me. What happened? His wife jumps in. I'll do it. Do it at Moses' feet. Boy, you bet. This is really what she was saying because the poor was a black woman. So I put my black woman on. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> you know God don't kill us. If you don't. She said, hey, bro, look what I had to do for you. Y'all know, y'all talking, y'all breath. Oh, so, like, she jumped in, and because her obedience, she saved her husband's life. Women, you are a helper, baby. In his time of weakness, jump in and cut the foreskin for him. Now, why I say it like that, because sometimes it's going to be something nasty that you don't want to do. But because you're going to see the weakness that your husband is incapable of getting it done, you won't have to jump in and do it for him. Now, watch this. Let me give you, let me give you, let's learn a lesson from Job's wife. See, I don't hear this preached enough in our women's conferences. We're always in Titus and Proverbs 31. This is where y'all need to be. Do not be this type of wife. Watch this. Now, in Job chapter 1, he's lost everything. Every dollar, every money, every kid, every house, every investment, all within a couple of minutes. He rips his clothes and says, God, give it to you, take it away. Now what happens? The devil decides, he goes back to God and says, he still won't sin. That's because you won't let me touch his body. The devil said, God said, touch his body, don't kill him. So now the devil has put a, a sickness on Job. He got stuff all over his body. Watch what he does. Job chapter 2, verse 6. All right, do to him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the presence, of, left the presence and struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his, sin with a piece of, scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. Job was going through the worst season of his life. He didn't lost everything. Now he's sick. Boils all over him. When you listen, when you take some glass and start scraping your skin and boil off your skin, you're pretty you jacked up. You're pretty at your end of yourself. Now you're supposed to be an Ezra, wives. He's going through the worst season of his life, and the season that he's going through is because God put him in that season. This is not a season because he went out in the club and did something stupid, and now he at home. Uh, God put him in the season, and she knows her husband was holy, and she watches her, hus- her husband going through. He, she's watching her husband go through God's testing. We know this because of what she's about to say. Watch this. Verse nine. His wife said to him, "Are you still trying to maintain your integrity?" She had to be black. Oh God, she had to be black. 
Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. Who that sound like? <laughs> he was at the worst point in his life. And you know what she did? Curse God and die. That's how you know she knew it was a God problem. It was God putting him in the testament. Because she, she didn't say quit and kill yourself. Curse God and die. She knew God was testing him. And instead of her putting, baby, I got you. Baby, I'm encouraging you. He lost his wife too. He lost all his stuff. Lost his health. And the last thing he had left was you, Ezra. And now you even turn your back on him. When you was posted, your only design at that point was to come alongside to him and build him up. You come in the room and he's just scraping blood. You posted, that's when you posted, kick in. My husband needs me. Baby, what? Let me, let me pray for him. Let me, baby, let me curse God and die. Dang. Now watch what he says. But Joel replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we only accept God's, the good things from the, from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job never said nothing wrong. He still kept his holiness. By himself lonely, boils beat up and sick, broke and disgusted with nothing. And wives, you were supposed to at that moment be the answer. And Job actually did what Adam was supposed to do in Genesis. Stay holy. No matter what Eve did. Job did it, though. Watch this. That's all the lessons from Sarah. I love this one. Genesis chapter 16. We're in the NLT. Verse 1. Now Sarah, she's not Sarah yet, Abraham's wife had, been, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Oh, man, you black girls are all through this Bible. So Sarah said to Abraham, the Lord was prevented, has, prevent, has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Bright idea. Really bright idea. Go take my hand servant. Now watch this. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. I'll bet you did. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham's wife. This happened 10 years after Abraham had settled in the land of Canaan. He already had the promise of God. In other words, he knew better. He already had settled. God already told him, I'm going to make you a great nation. You know better. Why would you step out of my will? Wives, here we go, just like Eve in the garden coming up with bright ideas. Here we go, just like Joel's wife coming up with bright ideas. And Instead of him keeping staying holy, so Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Now watch Sarah. Then Sarah said to Abraham, this is your fault. No, 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 boo. You brought her to me. Don't blame this on me now. Watch this. This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now she's, that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And I was reading that like, why in the heck would she come at him like that? Sarah never wanted Abraham to take Hagar. She brought the, some of y'all wives, y'all know I'm telling the truth when I say, y'all come up with some brighter deal, but you really don't want him to accept it. You really want, you're looking for him to validate, no, baby, what the Lord said, I got you. Relax, baby, the baby's coming. You're looking for him to be a man and lead you and encourage you. You don't really want him to take your hand, mate. You really want, that really wasn't what you were trying to do. But you, you wanted to, you just said something stupid so you can get your husband to be a man, to be a leader. She didn't really want him to take her maid. What she wanted was her husband to reaffirm her. Well, this Jew brought us here. You said he's making a great nation of us. You said this God you let us out from our home was going to save us. Where are he at? So you come up with a bright idea because Abraham was supposed to stand tall. But he didn't. Women, stop with the manipulation. 
Now, as I want us to learn lessons from Sarah and Joe's wife and them, let's start with the manipulation. I'm saying this too often too. Let's go to Judges chapter 16. Then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I, lo- I love you when you, don't, when you don't dare share your secrets with me? You made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you strong. She tormented him with nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. And I've heard girls say, I'm your first ministry. Just manipulating. Just manipulating him. He's trying to honor God. He's trying to do what he's supposed to do. You're supposed to be with me. It's manipulation. It's manipulation. All she wanted to do was getting what she wanted out of him. It had nothing to do with what was holy. It had nothing to do with being a helper. All she wanted to do was manipulate. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27. Y'all know it. NLT, verse 15. A quarrelsome wife is annoying. It's constant dripping of her on a rainy day. Stopping her complaints is like trying to stop the wind or trying to hold to something with greased hands. Stop the manipulation and the nagging and complaining to your husbands. Y'all have no clue sometimes what they have to deal with. And this is the part where I gotta be on a, I gotta be a sensitive husband. Y'all have no clue sometimes the attacks that come on us. Listen, she the whole fruit thing in the garden was not about Eve. It was to mess up the man. Remember, Eve was the helper to man. Man was supposed to honor God. She got to Adam through him. The whole thing was the man. And you don't know when you get when you start to do this, it's an attack. You're, you're aiding the attack on him. The minute he's out of order, fall of man. And you got to start understanding when these thoughts come to your mind and the devil try to tempt you, no, no, no. It is a trick to get the headship. It's the same way in the body of Christ. Sometimes I put certain people around me because as I carry this vision and we grow and God puts us forward, I need to watch who's around me. Because the attack is not on me. It's about what God, the, the vision and the ministry God has put on his house. So I have to watch who's around me because God can use people to get through them to me. Just like he used a wife to get to her husband. We have to understand what our jobs stop with the manipulation and the nagging him. You know the things that God, listen, I told my wife before, I said, listen, you got it easy. It seems hard, but all you're supposed to do is submit to me. I, the Bible don't even tell wives to love their husband. It says honor and respect them. That ain't that hard. None of y'all even lock y'all boss, but let him come in and actually do something. Yeah, I got it. We're tasked with loving you as Christ loved the church. Now, that's a dang handful. I said, you got it easy. If you can come in your headship and say, baby, what's for dinner? Tacos. Okay. Well, I need something for God. I got to go on a six-week fast. I said, you got it easy. Just submit and just honor me and listen to me. You can come get a verbal instruction from me any day. Text, talk, FaceTime. If I want to get in FaceTime with God, I got to go park myself for two hours and get in his prayer. You got it easy. You just got to respect me. I got to love you as Christ loved the church. Be extremely forgiving, extremely uh, forgive and forgive, extremely patient. I got to save, sanctify, and satisfy you. I got a handful. You got it easy. And women, to be honest, y'all got it easy. It only feels bad because of bad headship. But trust, the attack that's on a man's mind and his heart is double, triple what is on yours. Because the whole objective is to get the atom out of place. Get the Adam from underneath God. Because when he get him out of place, baby, the wife and the kids is, is easy work. If he can get that man from standing and saying, as for me and my house, and he can get him to not care, baby, the wife and the kids is up for grabs. 
The whole attack is on him. And you have to understand that sometimes. That it ain't even about me right now, about my feelings or him. It's about that I have to be on the defense of my husband because he's under attack. And it's going to take, God made y'all for it. He didn't just form y'all physically. Mentally, y'all have things that we don't have. Y'all are designed to do things we weren't designed to do. Y'all were designed to be a helper. You have the ability to do this. And sometimes I want y'all to think it ain't even you. And I can testify, my wife has done this many times. I knew she was praying. I could feel it. She, she would hear me talking, and I'm ranting, and I'm broken, and I'm overwhelmed, and I'm hurt. And she, I, I knew she was over there praying. I could feel it. Because she's listening to me, and she understands he's struggling right now. And she's over there, Lord, keep my husband. He's struggling. The church, it's a lot on him. Common spirit, give him peace. And I can, I can't make this, I can literally feel my spirit coming down. I'll be looking at her like, you praying, huh? Yeah, I am. Okay, I figured. The prayers of a wife or something else. Y'all ain't never seen the movie War Room? God has made you a helper, an intercessor for your husband sometimes. You have power wives, women, future wives, to get in the gap for your husbands. Singles don't get happy. You learning for about being a husband. Don't do that. I'm going to do what y'all admit. Pastor, what about my husband? He, won't, he just won't do right. Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. In the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands, then even if some refuse to obey the good news, the good news, the gospel, they don't want to accept the gospel, your godly laws will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent laws. Now watch this. He said wives. If you dating a dude that don't love God, you run. If he don't want to accept Christ and he ain't a Christian, run from that. Do not be unequally yoked. When I yoke a yoke, they used to yoke oxen together by the neck and they would tread the grain. When he says don't be unequally yoked, imagine if you, if you yoke to his man that owns something different than you. He's going to pull you down. You will not pull him up. When your neck is yoked, if I go tie to him, if I go get up here and put my, my neck in the rope with one of you women, and let's see who pull who. Let's see who win this. Because I bet you when I come off, jump off the stage, you coming with me. Now, if you try to come off the stage, I'm going to just grab you and throw you back up. Don't tell me, oh, I'm dating him. Maybe I can actually bring him to church and just win him. Evil communication, corrupt, good manners. Don't be no fool. He said, wow, these are women who's already married, and now they come into the knowledge of Christ, and their husbands don't want to do it. So let me, I'm talking to your wives. Verse 3. Don't be concerned by outward beauty, outward beauty and face and fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, jewelry and beautiful clothes. You should caught yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. I didn't make the quiet thing up. It's in the scripture. It's a beautiful thing with a quiet, meek woman. Y'all know my wife, Penny. Ooh, she's one of the most precious, sweetest things because her gentle, quiet, meek spirit. Listen, he said, this is how the, the holy women of old, verse 5, made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husband. They accepted him, submitted themselves to him. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him master. You are her. Now watch this. He goes on, but we're going to stop there. I had to go back because we see Peter giving Sarah props. Now we just read Sarah before God renamed her be a fool. But he changed. So it's possible if you've been messing up, wives, to get it together. So God can take you from a Sarah 
to a Sarah. See, this is Women's Month. That's why we're going here. It's the first week of Women's Month. Y'all won't see me again for a few weeks. We got some fire coming the next couple of weeks. But this is Women's Month, and I have to start this off with this energy. I need y'all to go grow up and mature to Sarah and stop the Sarah. Watch this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 18. I need to show y'all when Sarah became Sarah. And we see in Peter, he says, she called her husband Lord. She realized you're my headship and God is your headship. And her, her womb didn't open until she got in order. Some of y'all are missing blessings because y'all out of order. Wives, here, watch this. Verse 9 of Genesis 18, I'm in a CSB. Where is your wife Sarah, they asked. Now, this is what's happened. God has come down. Jesus and his two angels. I love this. It's one of the, one of the, one of the, first, one of the first times we see Jesus in the Old Testament. I love it because he told the Pharisees, Abraham was glad to see me back in his day. And he was talking about this. He said, I appeared to Abraham and had a... Had some McDonald's with him. He cooked steaks for me. Watch this. He says, where is Sarah, your wife? Now, Abraham sees that two angels and Jesus come up, and he's like, ah, can I cook for y'all? Don't go nowhere, wait, wait, Because they're on their way to Simon and Gomorrah to deal with them. He said, no, 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 no. Wait, stay here with me, please. Come on, stay here with me, please. And Jesus said, okay, cook for us. And he cooks a fire meal. He's going to, like, take out the best of everything, put on. Jesus is here. Let's get it. And he goes, and he eats. And then it says in the next verse, Jesus says, where is Sarah, they asked. There in the tent, he answered. The Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in about, about a year's time, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance in the tent behind him, and I want us to stop it there. She learned who her headship was. See, we looked at the chapter before, and God changes her name. She lines up herself, and she says, I, how would I be able to, let me, I got to read it. Let me go ahead and show it so you can see it. Verse 11 of Genesis 18, Abraham and Sarah were old and getting, uh, getting uh, Abraham and Sarah were old and getting on, uh, getting old, was old and getting on in years. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. childbearing. She's old, y'all. So she lied to herself after I'm worn out, and my, and my Lord is old. Well, I have delight. She reverences Abraham as Lord. She reverences her husband, and my Lord is old. And what happens when she do that? But the Lord asks Abraham, verse 13, why did Sarah laugh, saying, can I really have a baby when I'm old? Is anything impossible for the Lord? He says, at, this, at the appointed time, I will come back and you will, and next year, and you will have a son. Uh, and in about a year, you will have, and she will have... In about a year, she will have a son. And it dawned on me until she got into order and realized her headship, then her blessing came. So she didn't have to give him Hagar, your handmaid. All you had to do was get in biblical order. And started popping off and running your mouth and coming up with bright ideas, submit it to your husband in the vision. Because God has given him the vision for the family and the promise, you're supposed to submit to that. And blessings flow through to you. You get your womb open, get a baby. And not until she lined up did she get it. Last point. Actually, not the last, but we're going to get through this one quick. I'm single. What about me? I got to talk to the singles real quick. I'm single. What about me? Bury yourself in Christ. Give me Ruth chapter 2, Kenya. Bury yourself in Christ. Baby, make him find you in Christ. You should be like, well, you, I want to tell you, I'll take you on a date, first date. Yeah, I would love to go on a date. How about Sunday morning? I'm free. You free? Hey, yeah. Can you pick me up about 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock? Okay. Can you pick me up at 10 o'clock Sunday morning? You're like, cool, going on a day. He's going to be fresh. Where we going, church? Now, if he changes all of a sudden, and like, oh, um, I just got called in to work. He ain't the one. If he can't come worship with you, 
If he can't get in the presence of God, be careful. He may not be the one. See, I'm trying to teach some of y'all some tricks. When y'all on Tinder and stuff, swiping. Like, what you doing Sunday morning? I'm free. You free? Can you pick me up about 945? You can? Okay, I'm going to be ready. Dress up a little bit. <laughs> what are we going to get in like church? 10306 Blue Ridge. And see how he act then. Is it real? See how he's responding then. Because then you're going to get to see what's in him and what's his purposes. Give me that. Give me Ruth, Ruth 1. Give me 1 through 12 quickly. 1 or 2? 1 through 12. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other field. Stay right behind the young stay women right here with me. working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And mm. when you are thirsty, help yourself to the mm. water they have drawn from the well. Mm. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you have left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Ruth was content, trusting God, doing what she was supposed to do. She wasn't trying to get Boaz's attention. She wasn't wearing short skirts in the field like, there you go. She was being faithful, doing what she was supposed to do. And Boaz like, hey, bro, who that? Dang. Hey, bro, who chick? Y'all know how we do, fellas. Hey, who? That's your cousin? That's cousin? Now, he calls her, watch, watch, to watch his singles. He calls her, hey, woo -woo, woo -woo. no, not you, no, not you, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, how you doing? What's your name? Yeah. He asked about it. He went and did his research. He went all through her Facebook pictures, asked about her stepmom, everybody. So when she got there, like, um, yeah, I just st stay here in my field. Please stay in my field. I already even told the man, provision. I already told the man, don't touch you. Don't harm you. Don't treat you harshly. Just stay with them. You're going to have all you need, girl. Now, watch this. She wasn't trying to do nobody, get no man. She wasn't worrying about nothing. She was serving the Lord. 
She left her, her family, her stepmom and her husband. They, she said, go back. She said, I'm following your God will be my God. She chose her God over, over culture. And because she chose God and she went to work, she didn't sit around. Some of y'all need to go on some dates. She, I need to go, y'all need to be serving in the house of God. And it's going to be your men walking through church like, oh, I know a couple of. Then he got pipped at, peeped out because they were serving and somebody peeped like, oh, she sound good. What's she singing over there? All while just serving, honoring God and minding her business. And here comes provision. Here come the eyes. Here come the thirst. And she didn't have to do nothing. Let me go here for just a quick second. Stop letting dudes win it. When it's a rental car, I hit a pothole like, ain't mine. <laughs> I rented a Lambo in Vegas and I drove it like it was a Honda. 3, 000, just revving it to 10000 for no reason. Just no Juice and Lambo, so. Like, it ain't mine. When I'm renting something, I don't change the oil. Why would I do maintenance on it? I barely put gas on it. Matter of fact, I take it back on E. It ain't my problem. Yeah, I took it back so much on E, I'm like, there's no way they making it to the gas station. But it ain't my problem. It's a rental. I'm not putting no rims on it. Why would I enhance it? Why would I put speakers in the back and enhance a rental? And that's what a lot of y'all are, rentals. And you wonder why he don't want to act right, because you're a rental. And why would he invest or do any maintenance or do anything or give you vision or lead you when he knows you're not his and he's going to return you on E? That was a little hot. I'm trying to get us somewhere, singles. We're letting him drive the car and return you depleted, Scratched up. I'll be hitting doors. I remember I went through McDonald's. We had a rental truck. And I heard the back room say, I'm like, let's go. They go wait till they see that one. Davis Waver. <laughs> it's a rental. That's why rentals be so raggedy. Some of y'all don't even want to buy used rentals because I know, bro, that mug been dogged out since the beginning. And that's how a lot of y'all are. When the man come, he like, the value of that is kind of low. A lot of people been renting that. I mean, it's still cool on the inside, but it got a funny smell. The seats kind of, when you turn, they don't even hold you no more. And y'all end up broken and battered and bruised because I kept letting everybody get a rental for a small fee. And you was worth so much more. Make him buy it. Maybe if you ain't going to run your credit and let me see what your credit like and own this and pay a monthly, you don't need it. Is that, is that good enough? Can y'all get me there? I know, kid. Okay. Just want to, listen, y'all better go out here and slay. Get your lashes and your lace fronts. Y'all better. But make him admire your sexy. He don't get to get it. Make him be drooling over you. And you buy, yep, buy it. You can have it if you buy it. I will give it to you twice a day if you buy it. Make him buy it. Y'all better go out here and slay. Look good. Sit up there like, <laughs> take y'all pictures like, uh. I know what y'all do. Slay. God, you don't sit around like, I'm a church girl. We don't do that. No, you go out there and you better look good. 
Well, how you going to get a husband? You better look good. You better be out here carrying yourself well and knowing you look fine. Yes, that's how. Glean away. Just be gleaning. Just shining and gleaning. But don't let him rent it. Make him buy it. Last point. Last point. And I know we're going to go a little long these next two weeks, but I had to switch a lot into a little. It's our last one. What is the role of a mother? Mothers, y'all special. Like, it'd be 300-pound men screaming, Mama! Like, screaming for their mama. What was that? I'm going to get you sucking. <laughs> mama! Like, we, the first thing we scream is, want our mama. I remember I seen a video of something that went viral, a dude that got shot or something, and he screamed for his mama. I'm like, bro, yo, mama, I thought you was hood. Like, yo, mama, bro, y'all mama, y'all special. Got to put something special out. It's a special connection between you and that baby. It's something special there. I just got to give you a little, bit of, a little bit of scripture for mothers, Titus 2. Titus 2, I'm going to improvise, verse 3. We're going to be done in about five minutes. Older women, similarly, are to be reverent in their behavior. Now, it, it was weird to me that Paul would write this to Timothy. Could we see it in our churches today? Not malicious gossipers, nor addicted to wine. And I'm like, dang. It'd be, like, if you think about our old churches, what are what the old women are known for? Gossip. Always running their mouth gossiping. Like, why would he tell him that? This is nothing new. It was the same way back then. Because we don't let our women serve in their compassion and their anointing. They just sit around and gossip. Watch this. He says, teaching what is right and good so they may, be, to make, so they may, so they may encourage the young women to tenderly love their husbands and children. To be sensible, pure, makers of the home where God is honored, good nature being subject to their own husbands. So, they, so, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Subject to your own husband. Some of y'all are more honorable to y'all bosses than y'all husband. Y'all husband say, can you run and get lunch? Yes, sir. Like, I got it. Baby, can you go grab some lunch, make a sandwich? No. Do your own sandwich. Some of y'all honor y'all husbands more than y'all honor y'all own husband. Uh, y'all bosses more than y'all honor y'all own husbands. And it's a shame before God. Watch this. One of the main parties of the woman is one of the main parties of the woman is to be a homemaker. Don't bless you. What about I'm a single mother? It's for the single moms. My heart always goes to y'all. Watch this. First Kings chapter 17. First Kings chapter 17. Verse 8. Then Elijah, then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed the women to feed to there to feed you. Now, mind you, Elijah's by the book of Kurth. God, the Bible says he got, he's bought fresh water and the ravens brought him food every day. But the, the Bible said the Kurth book dried up and the ravens stopped. So God purposely stopped providing for the man of God and sent the man of God to a widow. This is by design. Keep up with me. I'm going somewhere. So he went to the Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you, would it, would it, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a little bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord our your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar, the jar and a little cooking oil in the bathroom of the jug. I was just wondering, I was just, I was just want, uh, gathering a few sticks to cook the last meal. Then me and my son would die. She said, we're on our last meal, buddy. And you want my last food? Now watch this. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead. Do just what I've asked, but make a little bread for me first. She kept her God first. Watch this. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Verse 14. 
For this is what the Lord, the God says, there will, all, will always be flour and oil left in their containers until the time the Lord sends rain and crops again. So he did as Elijah said, and she, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was enough flour and oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised Elijah. Single woman, keep God first, single mothers. And if you keep them first, I know it's not a lot. Listen, she said, we're going to kick our lives, cook our last meal and die. That means it was no more left. And if the woman of God that had a baby can say, I'm taking it, I'm putting, I'm putting my tithe in with nothing left because I need to see the move of God. So I'm going to honor him anyway because most of y'all be like, I ain't giving you my last. What I look like, I ain't giving the church my last. My kids come first. God said, I'm trying to bless you. She took her last and honored the man of God. Now watch this. It says her, the man of God, and her family ate for me when we keep him first. God could have kept taking care of Elijah without the woman of God, but he dried up what was happening over there to move him so she can get part of the blessing, the supernatural. The, if ravens has come dropping off breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, that is, a, that is supernatural. And he dried that up so she, could, so she could partake in the supernatural. Watch this. 2 Kings chapter 4. One day, Elijah, one day the widow of a member of a group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons away. She's a single mom. Her sad ship is gone. I'm going somewhere. I need y'all to stay with me for this. Tell me what, I just, what, tell me what to do. Uh, tell me. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 2. What can I do to help you, Elijah asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of oil, she replied. And Elijah said, verse 3, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons. Shut the door behind you. Everybody don't need to be around you in some seasons. Pour your olive oil from your, from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. But there, there aren't any more, he told her, and the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live out on what's left. Retire. A whole retirement plan. Pay your debt and live on the rest. Retire. All because she kept the man, she did what the man of God said. The man of God instructed her to do something. She went and did exactly what he said and what God provided. I know single mothers, they get hard. But listen, I've got, I can give you story after story. I'm closing here. Story after story, how the man of God has moved for his women over and over. And I, I, I put this in here for a moment, a reason I told you how to stay with me. Every time we see it's a widow in the Bible, we see that it's a man of God helping her get through. It's a man of God helping her get through. And then God reminded me of James chapter 1, verse 26, last verse. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. But let me get to verse 27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Church, it's our job when the man is not there, when the single mother has no covering, when the kids have no daddy. That's the church's job. He said, y'all want to be so religious? Be, this is the religion I want. Take care of the widows and the orphans. They have no headship. So church, be their headship. Cover them. When the fathers won't do what they're supposed to do, 
Church, step in. When the, when the kids ain't got nobody in their football game, church, step in. It's what they did in the Bible. Elijah and Elisha, his pupil, his, 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 his young, uh, his, his, his young juggernaut, protege. He says, we see the same thing happen. Every time a widow is in need, the men of God helped. Every time a widow is in need, the church helped. He said, that's the religion I accept. He said, if you want to be religious, do that. Be headship for the ones who don't have it. I just want to kick off Women's Month and just remind y'all, women, you are more than just, man, know who you are. God just made it, man. He took his time with you. Stop letting this culture define it. And I bring a WAP so often because that song broke my heart. When you listen to the lyrics, I'm like, dang. And it had like 50 million views. And I'm like, and like 200,000 likes on the video. I'm like, and we with this? We're cool. We're okay with this being the standard. Be a sex image for, and, just, and get your college paid for, and get your bills paid for, and degrade yourself down to nothing to get it. But if you degrade yourself down to nothing, don't worry because you're in control of your life and yourself. Be a, go home and cook for your husband and keep your mouth shut till he speaks. And don't talk too loud, he may smack you. And we have literally let women sit under this for, for, for decades and thinking that's the proper, proper way to be. And we try to teach our young girls, you better go home and be, do what you're supposed to do. How many movies have you seen where the older women have encouraged their young daughters, you better go home and cook for him and do what he say or he going to get you. I remember when the Tyler Perry movie, she, he was beating the mess out of her. And the mama up there encouraging her, go home, don't make him mad, don't make him mad. Y'all more than that. And if we're going to be what God wants you to be, like, we got to rewrite the foundation and rewrite the book on what a man is and what a woman is and what a marriage is. Because if you build it on the right foundation, you'll be much more than what you ever thought. And if we're going to kick off Women's Month and have this month where we celebrate y'all, celebrate the single mothers for doing this by themselves, celebrate the wives for doing the best they can, celebrate the wives that hasn't done well but trying to get there, and we pray and we break bondage and we break generational strongholds between daughters and mothers and grandmas and we attack this stuff, we got to start here. Understanding and realizing it. And some of y'all, I encourage y'all, bring your mama to church throughout this month. I don't want y'all to disappear because it won't be me preaching. I strategically place people up in this pulpit for the next three weeks that I know got a word for y'all and a testimony for you. And if you really want to come, women, and start to uproot this stuff up out of y'all, you need to start here. You know, I can't end the service without this. It's my favorite part of service. If you have never confess Jesus